The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are dealing with serious addiction to opiates, heroin, or something else, you know what a toll it takes on your life and the lives of those you love and who love you. This is A Man in Recovery Radio, from dope to hope. You'll hear from host Tim Ryan about his long journey from a winning life to losing nearly everything he had, including his 20-year-old son. All from addiction. Now, Tim has a purpose, to educate others about the devastating effects of addiction and how if you are one of the millions of people who have lives that have been affected, you can turn things around today. Now, here is Tim Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Tim Ryan, another Monday morning, Man of Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope, helping one addict at a time. Truly honored today to have our guest, uh, one of my dear friends and my brother, Matt Ganim, the poet. What's up, Matt? What's going on, Tim? How we living? Uh, you know, it's cold out here in Chicago. I'm watching uh, my neighbor Mike outside of the window uh, <laughs> scraping the snow off his truck. <laughs> How about you? You guys uh, getting any snow out there? We were supposed to get like three inches of snow yesterday, and it ended up being frozen rain pretty much. It's now, like where, where are you? Outside of Boston? It's raining right now. You're outside of Boston, right? Yeah, yeah, like 20 minutes north of Boston right now. 20 minutes north of Boston. So let's talk mm-hmm. about Matt Gannum. Um, how, how much clean time you got now, Matt? Uh, on um, April 21st, I celebrated 10 years. 10 years clean and sober. Can we get a wahoo? How old are you, Matt? I'm 31 years old. 31 years old, so you got sober at 21. 21 years old. I was very fortunate that I got it at the time that I did. You know, the crazy thing is, Matt, my first time in treatment was 1990. I had turned 21 in September, and in January Mm -hmm. going into February, I was in treatment. And, you know, I think I made it eight months, ten months sober. Hell, I don't know. I'll go into meetings, but I just, I I wasn't ready. Why why were you ready at such a young age? Well, I started, I got involved with, with drugs from a young age. It was like my escape from reality of, of my way to try to, you know, just deal with some of the problems that I face. I come from a broken home. I got into drugs at a, at a real young age, always trying to, like, follow with whatever the crowd I was hanging out with did, trying to be a, a part of something. And, um, I mean, by the time I was 21, I was broken, homeless, uh, I was on trial for being a monkey that sold bananas. I didn't have any contact with my family. There was only so many times I could call from jail or a program to apologize of, you know, hey, I'm going to do it this time, and then the next day I would be off and running. Or go to detox with every intention of, like, I'm going to get clean this time. I'm going to get clean this time. Not being placed in an aftercare program, hitting the streets, and all that motivation to stay clean when I was in detox or trying to get into a program would just disappear because it's easier to get drugs than it's easy than it is to, to find further treatment in Massachusetts. 
And, and you were, you know, you were running the streets. We don't need to get into detail, but uh, I mean, you uh, were, you got big into the Oxycontins, right? In, in, in the yeah, Boston I mean, area when they were hitting the pharmacies and all that. My generation was killed off by Oxycontin pretty much. I mean, if you, if you take a look at like the group of friends that I grew up with, um, there ain't too many of them left. I mean, most of them are dead. Some of them are lucky enough to be in jail, and, and, you know, very few are still actually out there actively using, and very few of them made it to recover. Um, when we got introduced to Oxys, there wasn't all this data, there, you know, the, you know the, the news coverage of this opiate pandemic that we're facing, there was nothing like that around back then. Um, we did it socially. You know, it was easier back in the day to get an Oxycontin than it was to get a 30 rack of beer. Sure. Because the drug dealer is not going to ask you for your ID. They just care about the money. So what, what type of things were you doing, Matt, to, uh, to support your Oxy habit outside well, of dealing? You know, I, got, I got into it at 16, 16 years old when I was first introduced to it. And I was thrown out of my mother's house. And I spent a few years kicking around, bouncing couch to couch and sleeping in people's basements. And... Uh, I ended up, you know, hustling as my way to support my habit. I started selling Oxycontin, um, eventually even selling and doing all the profit that I could have possibly made. I started going out and, and, you know, one of my hustles when I was using was I would hold up little corner stores, little mom and pop spots. And we would go, you know, we would rob everything. We would break into houses, like. Whatever it took to get the drug is what we were willing to do. And that means yeah. anything. Go ahead. What's up? I said go ahead. I, I kind of cut you off there. But, I mean, you were oh, willing no, to do, mean, it, do whatever it took to get that oxy, to get that pill, yeah, to get you, that next you, fix, to feel normal. When you look at, you know, how, how like, it, it, it completely changed me. It, it stripped me of my morals and everything that I cared about. And when I was sick, I didn't care who you were. I would rob. I would rob you. I'd rob my best friend, my best friend's mother. I'd rob my family. Like whatever it took, whatever hustle I needed to do, um, I was willing to because like the sickness was worse than death. Absolutely. I, like I despise that feeling. And then when I got high, when I was under the influence of oxycontin, like it made me, it made me feel invincible. Like there was nothing I couldn't do. You could put Mike Tyson in front of me, I would have fist fought him. And, um, you know, you know who I am, but back then at 150 pounds, uh, a little skinny strung out string bean, um, yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> ready, I wasn't really ready, the toughest guy around, to say the least. Ready to take on the world, but that's what it does to you, you know. it. Uh, yeah. When I got into heroin at 32 and struggled for the next 12, 14 years, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. 12 years, it... Uh, my last run, even though I made a lot of money, I had burned through it, and, and man, I was ready to rob a bank, and I didn't care what neighborhoods I went into, seeing people shot, stabbed, the thing, you just, mm-hmm. you don't move on, it's, it's it, it is amazing, the, the moral, morals values, if you had any, are completely out the window, and you just yeah. want that next fix, you just want to feel normal to go from sofa to sofa to how that's and just you, the way of life. You put yourself in like the worst situations when you're out there using. And it's not something that like when I was a kid, I didn't want to be a drug addict when I grew up. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't when I was twelve years old and raised my hand in class and they asked me what I wanted to be, it wasn't I wanted to be a heroin addict. And though I come from, from you know, a troubled home, 
Like, my mother didn't raise me to be a dope addict. My father didn't raise me to be a dope addict. But once, yeah. once you put, it's... you know, you're talking about, I was an athlete in high school. I was a varsity baseball player, basketball player. I had a college scholarship office for, for baseball that I threw out the window because the drugs were more important. But when you, when you look at a, a 16-year-old uh, athletic kid, uh, being introduced to a pill that's made for hospice patients to ease into death. Because originally when Oxycontin came out, that's what it was made for. It was made to, to help cancer patients and hospice patients ease into death pretty much. And that's well, when Osama started mismanaging, misadvertisement, and mismarketing the drug, where it ended up going from being for hospice patients to anybody with a broken bone uh, could get it, or for back that- problems. Yep, I, I can remember having, you know, I've got a bad back, and I can, I walked into this doctor, uh, Dr. Wu, and I remember he said, oh, you kind of walk like a monkey, and, and what do you need? What can I give you? What will make you that, feel better? And I, I told him, I said, I don't want to be on pills. Oh, no, you need these. You need to be on them, yep. and, and you will feel better. And it's like the guy was just, okay, give me some oxys, give me some Valium. Hell, you better throw mm-hmm. in some Percocet, and I'll be good to go. Well, that's, that's what stems this out. It's the drug dealing doctors that were, they push pills on clients nowadays. If you go back 20 years ago, you go into your doctor's office, they ask you how you're feeling, and they, then they try to work through whatever your issue is. Nowadays, you walk into the doctor's office, they ask you your symptoms, and they, they go down a little check sheet of what pills to offer you. Oh, you got back pain. All right, let me get you an oxycodone. Oh, you have anxiety. Let me throw a benzo at you. Oh, you, you, you have this. Let me throw that at you. Oh, you're a little restless or you're tired. Let me throw Adderall at you. They, it's yes. just a quick fix society it's, where we throw a pill at the problem. And then we crazy. wonder why we have this epidemic where we have all these people that are strung out on drugs out in the streets. And we're starting at younger and younger ages. Uh, a huge issue I have is with, like, Adderall and, and some of the ADHD medication because we're giving it to, like, seven- and eight-year-olds that they're spending their entire life uh, accustomed to taking a pill every day. Yep. Yeah, I can remember Nicholas, my son that passed away from an overdose. When Nick was little, I mean, they were putting him on Ritalin, Adderall, and he didn't mm-hmm. like taking the medicine. But, you know, this is 96. We, we, we didn't know. You know, we, we trust our doctors. Hell, mm-hmm. I was just at the, at the hospital a couple weeks ago for a, a little minor procedure. I'd assist. And uh, the nurse is saying, okay, well, what, what, do you, what kind of pain do you have? What can, we, uh, what can I tell the doctor? I said, I'm a recovering heroin addict. It should yeah. be in your computer. The doctor yeah. came in, did what he did. And he, okay, well, what do you need? I said, dude, I don't take anything in your computer. Yeah. I'm a heroin addict. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. Well, um, let me at least give you, I don't want anything. And it's like, yeah. but they get rated on you know, if I walk out of there and complain, they're going to get checks against them. We've got to revamp well, the whole system. get higher reimbursement rates if they treat pain, if their pain satisfactory surveys uh, are higher than the next hospital, they'll get better reimbursement rates. There's kickbacks. There's so much that goes into it. It's sad. Like, back, back uh, I was probably early recovery, maybe like a year clean, a little less than a year clean. And being the classy guy that I was, I got into a fist fight and broke some bones in my hand, right? <laughs> and I ended up at the emergency room. And all I wanted was them to fix the bones and to, to realign them and get an air cast. And the doctor easily asked me ten times, 
do I want this script to Percocet? Do I want this script? You definitely need it. You're in a lot of pain. And I kept telling him, like, hey, I'm a heroin addict. No, I can't do it. And finally, I was like, if you give me that script, because he was going to give me the script and let me walk off with it, even if I don't feel it. So not even like, hey, I'm going to take it. No, you take this. And if you want, you know, you can fill it down the road, which to me, you get the addict mentality. You start thinking, oh, I could sell it. I could do it. You get the gear spinning in your head. Right. I turn to the doctor and I'm like, listen, I'm, if you give me this script, I'm going to be in your living room. I'm going to steal your big flat screen TV. I'm going to take your wife's jewelry. I'm going to strip your house down if you give me this script because that's where it leads. And then and, and the they, only they don't understand it. Got back off. <laughs> Once I come it's in and take your wife's jewelry and your TV, maybe you're going to realize it. So, Matt, exactly. when you got I'll sober at first, did, if you give me this script. Right. So when you first got sober, did you mm-hmm. you did did you do the twelve step route for a little while? Yeah. I, well, I went through uh, a six month uh, public residential program in like one of the worst areas in Massachusetts. And you stayed sober. And I stayed clean in it. There was drugs and- uh, on just about every corner that I was faced with temptation. I got high around the corner, but you know, a lot of times. I was in programs and I would leave out of fear or like I would get hit with these emotions. When you use, when I use, I use to numb myself. I hate a feeling. I don't, I love too much. I hate too much. My feelings are, are nothing but extremes. And when I used and when I started using at a young age, you know, it calmed my anger down. And, um, you know, if I was, if I was scared to go talk to a girl, I had the confidence to go and, 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 and try to talk to the girl or, to get into a fight with a kid I had a problem with. If I was high, I'd go fight him. If I wasn't, I was scared I was going to get my, my, my rear end kicked in. You can say um, ass. It's all right. What's that? You can say ass. You thought you were going to get yeah, your I ass kicked. Yeah, my language, you know. But, um, but when you get clean, you get hit with all these emotions and all this trauma from when you were using. You know what I mean? And I would get right. in early recovery and I would take off from these programs. Well, I would find somebody that I was friendly with, that I was friends with before, and we take off together. And when I got clean, I had the gift of desperation. I had the, the I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like I, I'd run my body into the ground. I was homeless. Uh, I was bouncing between parks. I was sleeping on people's couches. I ended up, um, I was living with a buddy of mine, and me and him were sitting. Uh, we were sleeping head to toe on a futon, <laughs> and uh, with his mother. And I used to give his mother heroin every day as, like, my way to pay rent. That's the way she let me live there. It was an apartment in South Boston. It was a Roman house. So we literally shared a bathroom with the apartment next door. No kitchen. We had a hot plate to make ramen noodles. And that's if we ate. And I'm talking about I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't take care of myself at all. I didn't talk to any one of my family members. I had had a court case that I was arrested four times while on trial, four or five times on trial. Um, and I had a warrant out that I just, I was, I was not trying to go to jail. I was trying to commit suicide. Um, like I didn't want to wake up. I didn't have the courage to, 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 you know, I had a belt around my throat. I've had a gun in my mouth and I didn't have the courage to pull the trigger. And I wanted an escape. And back at that time, the only, the only way I I saw out of the chaos of addiction was suicide or death. And, um, you know, my buddy ended up getting into this program, the Hamilton House, and he knew how bad I was, and he knew I was on a suicide mission. Um, unfortunately, the area that I come from, um, 
there was an 18-month period where there was six suicides. And uh, on September 1st, 2004, I was 19 years old. I took my best friend down from, he hung himself in the bathroom, and I was sleeping on his couch. And um, so suicide, like, played a huge role in, like, the group of kids that we hung out with. Well, and, you know, that, that's uh, you know, something I was going to get to, Matt. I mean, that, and I mean, to, to walk in and, and find your best friend had, had just committed suicide while you're sleeping, was that one of the catalysts that, that thrust you into saying, I can't oh, live that, this way anymore because I'm going to be on, next? I did not, I didn't give two, I didn't give two shits about living, to be honest. Like, I did not care about living or dying anymore. I was struggling with drugs heavy before that. And when you see your best friend and you hold him and he's dead and frozen to the touch, lifeless eyes, like, and you have to hold his body with his mother in the bathroom crying, like, there's, there's nothing more traumatizing than that. That, that is probably the single um, biggest traumatizing event of my life. And I, was, I completely spiraled out of control out of that. At that point, um... You know, I was I was pulling robberies, but I was doing I I ended up doing like insanely stupid crimes to get caught. Like I didn't care about living or dying. I ended up getting stabbed right after that. I was beat with hammers and bats from just putting myself in these situations of of you know I mean just everything that's part of the drug game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just didn't care uh, about living or dying. I just wanted to get high. That's the only thing I wanted to do. If I could yep. get high, I didn't care about anything else. You, you live to use, you use to live. To and live. Mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to take a break in about a minute here, Matt. But I okay. also want to talk about your buddy, Dougie Fresh, um, yep. that unfortunately uh, was shot by the police, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, you, you have had a lot of trauma, grief, loss in your life. But I want to talk about when we get back how instrumental you were into setting me on the path I'm on today, mm-hmm. and then what you have used for your coping skills, your recovery. Uh, you do go by Matt Gannum, the poet, so we're going to talk uh-huh. about that. We're going to have you spit yeah. some of that. But uh, what we'll Sounds do is if you want to call in and talk to Matt or you got any questions, you can reach us at 866 472 5719. That's 866-472-5719. You are on Man in Recovery Radio with Tim Ryan, your host, Mac Gannum, the poet. Uh, we both work for Banyan Treatment Centers. I uh, am the chief marketing officer, Mancy, executive director out in our uh, Boston Mass facility. But we will take a break right now. We will be back in a few minutes with Tim Ryan and Mac Gannum, the poet on Man in Recovery Radio. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to a man in recovery radio from dope to hope featuring host tim ryan to reach tim by mail please use t ryan at amirf.org that's t ryan at amirf.org now back to a man in recovery radio Tim Ryan here, back with Man Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope with our guest, Matt Gannam, the poet. Uh, Matt, we're talking about a lot of the tragedies and traumas you face, not only being an addict, but the loss of, uh, you know, people committing suicide. And and then your dear friend, Dougie Fresh, was was shot by the police. What was that like for you? I mean, it was uh, earth shattering for me. if you, Dougie was like my brother. Um, me, I grew up with him and his younger brother, Sparky, who he passed away in 2011 from a heroin overdose. We had uh, just shot a video, the first video I ever did. Um, for uh, We did like a poetry video, and uh, he played an overdose victim in the bathtub. And that Sunday after that, he ended up dying of a heroin overdose in, in, in the shower. Unbelievable. And, I grew up with those two. Those two, um, we were homeless. We were broke together. Um, you know, me and Dougie. Dougie did five years in jail for me. Uh, he was a person when I was younger. We were running around holding up corner stores. He ended up getting caught, hemmed up, and did five years upstate for it. And instead of turning on me, he ended up just eating five years. And said, wow. I'll take it. See you later. I'm not giving up. He's not going to give me up. And when he got out... Um, I'm not where I'm at if it wasn't for Dougie. Um, he believes in me when I didn't believe in myself. He pushed me to be something more. Coming from where we come from and with the backgrounds that we both have, uh, the kid had one of the toughest lives. You know, his father wasn't around. His mother died from cancer. His older brother was killed when he was young. Um, like, talk about bad circumstances. And... When I first started doing poetry, he was at every single open mic. He was front row. Um, he supported me when I was out passing out flyers for an ebook five years ago. Um, when I won awards, he was front and center with it. And every time I won an award, it was like he won it with me. My first radio interview, uh, I brought him with me. Um, you know, I tried getting the kid out of trouble when he got out of jail. Like, I got him a job. Um, you know, I did everything in my power trying to keep him away from that street life. And whether it's the drugs that kill you or, or, or the life around it, you know, if you stay out there long enough, like the stuff catches up to you. And, um, you know, he, he was somebody that the world could be against me. And even if I was wrong, he would stand by my side and having, you know, somebody that was that loyal was they like yeah. the world to me. It, and some yeah. people well, it, like he's, you know, it, 
he was he was like if you want to talk about best friends in your life, there isn't somebody who is better. Like I couldn't yeah. have asked for a better best friend. You know, in 2015, he had an altercation with police, um, and they ended up killing him, and they shot him down. Yeah, uh, I remember that day. Before I had a Chinese food plate sitting on my counter waiting for him. We, you know, we played chess together. Uh, He was nasty from you know sitting in jail, all the jail games, the killers, filthy with it. But um, uh, you know, my life completely like I lost a part of me when he died. And that's something that um, a lot of my success, I believe a lot of my friends that passed away walked with me through it. Uh, He had a tattoo of a poem I wrote on his forearm. Like, that's how much the kid believed in me. And I have a tribute to him on my arm. I got an arm arm full of angels, and him and his brother Sparky's ashes are are blended in with the ink that was tattooed in my arm. So he's always with me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, And it's things like that. So what you did, Matt... Even prior to that, though, you started writing poetry, and your poetry mm-hmm. was your solace from, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard all your poetry, and uh, yeah. I mean, why don't, why don't you just share something with us so people can see what type yeah. of work Matt Gannon, the poet, does. I'd actually, I'm going to share a brand new one with you guys. Uh, I wrote this over the weekend. It's called For the Chance of Recovery. I'm more than my mistakes. More than the shame was once worn on my parents' face. More than my court dates, detox intakes, the living disgrace when jails and institutions of death was my only fate. I lost my fate. When being a son turns into a junkie. When I sit in my pity pot swearing no one in my family loves me. Playing the victim, but they're just sick and tired all the times I manipulated them for money. Lied to them for dope money. This time I swear it's going to be different. This time I'm going to change. I don't want to go to prison. This time I'm going to do everything that I didn't. This time I'm going to listen my listening. I just need this $40 to shake the sickness. Then I'll go to detox to take care of her business. I swear to God, with the Lord is my witness, just let me get a couple of dollars and I'll be clean the next time I visit. To be honest, I promise. To be honest, I can tell you what the feeling of lost is. Sell your soul to the devil will reveal what the cost is. It's searching for happiness in the bottom of a bottle in the hand of an alcoholic. It's a pile of powder lined up with a straw to sniff. It's dumped out in a cooker trying to suck up all of it. It's losing your love over the rush. It's destroying every single person you touch. It's a drug lust that even when you get high, it'll never be good enough, no matter what. The lows are a hole, but you can't stop digging. It was never like this in the beginning. When getting high, I felt like you were winning. Now you're not even invited at Christmas or Thanksgiving. Created these circumstances for yourself and play the victim. I've been at the bottom beating up and broken down, crying out for help when no one was around. Hey, Ma, aren't you proud of your son now? Somehow I managed to burn every bridge of love down. I fired my self-destructive ways just so I could burn bright. There I lay in the ashes of a past life, surrounded by worn-down needles and shattered glass pipes. You think I ever want to go back there? You'll never have to ask twice. Tattoos of angels mixed with the ashes of fallen friends. The skies are like stories written across my skin. Reminded me of where the hell I've been from the darkest days that I never want to go back to again. Shackled by addiction, trying to break free. I stood toe-to-toe with everything trying to break me. I started suffocating from the chaos and couldn't breathe. Another, another overdose statistic wasn't what I was trying to be. I picked up a pistol and locked in the safe, and I put a bullet through the throat of my disease just for the chance of recovery. Man, you, got, you just wrote that one, Matt? Yeah, I wrote it Saturday. 
<laughs> I don't know how you do it, brother. That is absolutely awesome. I can remember that night while you came down to visit me in Manhattan, and we sat yeah. in the room, and you just started spitting some of these new bars. Hey, we got a... Yeah. Uh, uh, we got a fool getting connected in right now. We got a caller yeah. calling in. Who's that new caller on the line? Tim, I'm going to need you to refrain from calling me a fool and calling me by my governmental name, please. <laughs> <laughs> my man Novak, how we doing, brother? How you doing, man? It's always a pleasure talking to you. Tim, always, I'm say the same. Always. <laughs> We have Brandon Novak on the line, and we also have Matt Gannum. You know, and, and if I would have sat back, hell, three years ago today, I was still in friggin' prison. December 16th <laughs> is three years that I walked out of prison. So three years ago today, I was sitting in prison. If you would have told me three years ago from now, I'm going to be hosting a radio show, I'm going to be working for Banyan, I'm going to be working with you two knuckleheads, I'm going to call both of you dear friends and brothers, yeah. not in a million years. Not in a Never. million years. No chance. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's those God moments, you know what I mean? Even if God told me, look, this is where you'll be at, uh, you know, December 12th, sitting on the phone at your mother's house. You know, it's funny, I just walked down the stairs, my mother's across the street counting uh, money at the church. And, and I noticed she left her purse sitting on the sofa wide open. She never left her purse out around me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, and you'd be across the street at the church. church to take her out grocery shopping and be on the phone with two of your coworkers slash brothers, you know, Tim from Chicago and Matt from Boston. I'd say you're fucking crazy, man. Get out of here. Yeah. You know? I mean, and you would be across the street with her at the church helping her count the money, you know, nine for me, one for the church basket. <laughs> I remember when she used to go do it, I'd say, what do you make? I'd say, come on, give me 50 bucks. She'd say, no, I'm not taking that from the church, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's crazy, you know? Yeah, man. The way Matt and I hooked up, when I got out of prison, man, how long was I out of prison before we started talking? Not long at all. It you, wasn't you that like long, and I, I mean, I, I, I wrote the business plan for Man and Recovery Foundation. I was getting things and getting hooked up on Facebook, and I find this guy, Matt Gannum, the poet. And I started mm -hmm. researching him, so I sent him a message, and Matt called me, and we, we probably talked for, what, an hour and a half, two hours? Easily. Easily. And, and Matt just shared with me what he's doing in this, and... And gave me so much hope. Here's some guy in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm some guy that just walked out of prison that wants to save the world. And and fast forward here now, Matt, you were the first person to give me a job in the treatment space. Yeah, that I was. Go friggin' figure. And we were working for another treatment center. I was only there two months, and I got recruited to go to Banyan. And I remember talking with you and saying, hey, Matt, Look, I don't want to leave you high and dry, but I like this guy, yeah. the Joe Tuttle, the owner. Uh, I'm yeah. going to join it. And you're like, dude, do it. I support you. I love you. And what did I tell you? So, well, when you got high, the day you got high, you said I was going to come work with Ben. That without a doubt, no matter what, I was coming to work for Ben. And I remember those conversations because you were a little shaky on what to do and whatever the decision is. And I'm not where I come from. Like, I want you to succeed. You know what right. I mean? Like, not a lot of people from my area are like that. Like, I want people to get better. I want people to achieve the, the most they could possibly achieve. And I remember the job opportunity was just, like, way too good to turn up. 
to, to turn away or whatever. And I told you, like, regardless of where we are, we're going to be, you know, friendship comes first before business with me. Yep. And I was just happy that you got the opportunity. And then when you took the job, I remember you called me up the second you left the office and signed whatever it is that you had to sign, and you said, you're going to be working at Banyan. This I promise you. I don't care. Whatever you have in your mind right now, you're going to come work for us. And it took a little bit. I, I took the scenic route to get to Banyan, but I came. <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. And now what are you doing? I mean, when I... When I joined Banyan, they had Pompano Beach, Florida. Now we have yep. a, a state-of-the-art detox in Stewart. I mean, Pompano, yep. we've got a 12-step-based, Christian-based, smart recovery, refuge recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, now we have a Naperville, Illinois, slash Chicago. Yep. And what are you doing for Banyan now? I brought a treatment. I brought uh, Banyan, Massachusetts to my, my hometown. Not my hometown, but like my home state. When I sat down... Uh, Joe Tuttle, the amazing man that he is, he brought me down and had a conversation. And uh, I'm a very prideful person of my hometown, um, of Massachusetts, of Boston. And, um, you know, he gave me the opportunity to, to pretty much build a program from the ground up in the state that I, that I come from. And we've been open for four and a half months. I have 30-something employees that you know, trying to change other people's lives and that opportunity. And it's like, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. And, and I owe that opportunity to you, to for you to believe in me. And, and if it wasn't for you praising me and putting me on a pedestal to Joe, I probably wouldn't, I'd know for a fact I wouldn't be where I'm at. Don't get me fucked up. I never put your ass on a pedestal. Don't don't be getting <laughs> yeah, me fucked yeah, yeah. up now. You can try to act all hot on the radio all you want. Matt, but I know without your blessing, Tim Ryan, Joe, Tim, without your blessing, Banyan, Massachusetts doesn't happen. No, and I know, I know. I'm but Matt, I mean, you, I, I'm also a person that loyal to me. Loyalty to me means more than anything, and and friendship comes first. And you put your ass on the line to get me doing what I did, and, and as soon as I got into Banyan and knew what was going, I, I think it took three, four months to get you, but I knew I was yeah. getting you. When I go, it's it's like me going to get a bag of dope. I know I'm getting that bag of dope. Novak yeah, yeah. knows when he walks into his last detox, he's going to have a duffel bag, eight scarves, two <laughs> pairs of pants, three socks, and a stick of deodorant, and it's going to double as his pillow. Right, Novak? You know, honestly, all jokes aside, when I was sitting here listening to you two talk, all three of us, man, were cut from that special kind of cloth where we're, we're not like most people, where most people, if they see it, they can believe it. We're the complete opposite. If we believe yeah. it, we can see it. And, 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 and we're very sincere people, and we have the best of intentions, meaning we do the right thing for the right reasons. So, like, anybody in our life, us three, anybody that comes across us, our intentions aren't ill. We're doing the right thing for the right reason. Ultimately, at the end of the day, all we want is to see the next man or woman succeed. You know, and that's the most beautiful thing about this. You know what I mean? If we believe it, we can see it. And if we, if we see in people what they do not see in themselves, and we're on that team of helping whoever, whenever, however, like we go above and beyond to do whatever it takes, whenever it's necessary, to help somebody, and that's I, that, like that. If that's not God's work, I don't know what the fuck is. I I, I don't either. And and to sit here, and be talking with two of my best friends in the world, 
that, you know, three years ago we'd all be friggin' dead together, but, you know, oh, we'd the things were... we building, loading up a fucking syringe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I could just see the three of us right now. Hold on. Novak's got more than I do, and yeah. you got the last bump. I get to go first this time. <laughs> You put an extra thing of water on this, man. I know what you're up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God almighty. And the funny thing is, I could, I, I'm not even going to joke about it, but I could see fucking me OD and then Novak sitting there going, well, well, fuck, check his pockets. I know he's got some more bags in there, and let's do it. Then we'll revive his ass. And see, that's how this disease works, man. Like, you know, you take it right now, that will be the farthest thing from our minds, and we would not react at all in any situation in that manner. But if I make one bad decision, I'm right back to being that person I was. And that's what's exactly. so, you know, this disease, man, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful, and most importantly, patient. You know? Yep. And I can yep. revert back to being that guy that's running your pockets, provided I make one bad decision. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's nuts, but you know, Novak always, when we do a lot of speaking events together throughout the country, and if you want to book us, call us, you know, you can reach us at uh, 844-611-HOPE, 844-611-4673, that's a man of recovery foundation, if you need help, no insurance, state insurance, good insurance, we'll do the best we can, but uh, Novak does this, when, when he's doing a speaking event, he had this client whose dad flew him in, a, he, he chartered his dad's Learjet and is at the Ritz-Carlton in Fort Lauderdale getting high and, and Brandon's in there talking to this young 20-year-old kid about going to treatment. I mean, the, the, the average addict today isn't this homeless person on the corner. You know, it's multimillionaires, to school teachers, doctors, lawyers, and everything else in between. And, uh, God, I am just so blessed that the three of us are out here giving hope. And, and Matt, I got to tell you, I'm so fucking proud of you for what you've built out there in such a short amount of time. Absolutely, and, absolutely, man. Thank you, Mr. Magannum. Well, Novak, you too. I mean, I can remember when I, I, I'm looking out the window where I was sitting in my truck having the first phone call with you, and you're like, so how is this going to work? And how, how am I going to get people? And I said, dude, you do the right things and your phone is just going to ring. How many people did you get? How many people did you help last week, Novak? Uh, I, I got four, four, you know, I got four people in the treatment lab in one week. And, and you know, what that means to me, honestly, it means four less mothers that have to bury their sons or daughters. Because at the time, most addicts, they don't see what I see, what can become of them. So what I focus mm -hmm. on is the family members, man, like the, the, the mothers and fathers that don't have to bury their sons or daughters. Because, you know, at, at the time when I was going into treatment, I didn't see like the end results, kind of like when I met you guys and you told me what could be, I did not see it. But you saw me what I did not see in myself. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I, need, I, I need to shut you two down for a second. We need to take a quick break. This is Tim Ryan, uh, Man of Recovery Radio, with my guest, Mac Annum, the poet, who also is executive director of Banyan, Massachusetts, and our rock star brother, Brandon Novak, who is just the enigma himself working for Banyan. We'll be back in a few minutes with Man of Recovery Radio. This is Tim Ryan. We'll be back. Thank you.
As we age, our health can decline. For some, it's a slow, even process, while for others, it can happen at a much faster rate. The health decline can start in people as young as their 30s. Did you know a lot of age-related diseases can be prevented, reversed, or eliminated? It's true. You'll find out more every week on Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. It's your life. Keep it going well. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are listening to A Man in Recovery Radio, From Dope to Hope, featuring host Tim Ryan. To reach Tim by mail, please use tryan at amirf.org. That's tryan at amirf.org. Now, back to A Man in Recovery Radio. We're back at you. Tim Ryan, Man of Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope. Uh, got our guest, Mac Annum, the poet on. We had our brother, Brandon Novak, but he got a call from another addict in need, so he, he jumped off the line. What's up, Matt G? What up, what up, what up? Not much. We've actually got another caller on hold right now. Uh, Scott, connect Scott in. Where are you at, Scott? Scott. Yeah, I'm in. Tim, I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> Sioux Falls. This is another friend of mine, another brother in recovery, uh, former professional hockey player, Scott Bridges. How are you today, Scott? I'm doing well. I I just called in. I, I your theme to be seems to be uh, friendships and whatnot. And this week was uh, kind of a tough week for me. Um, you know, my friend, uh, our mutual friend. Uh, business shut down and the the just the i feel so bad for him and and, you know myself and (coughs) you know i was thinking you know fuck i'm in here i'm in sioux falls nobody's here my wife's back in minnesota i can you know i can just get through this and have a have some cocktails and i thought i i picked up my phone and i got an alert from facebook and it was one of your um, whatever you, you post, and and to be honest with you, that saved me from wow. relapse. And you know, I've been in recovery for three years, Tim, and it I it like you or Brandon just said it 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 just sits there and waits for you, and I I, I damn near did it, but your Facebook page, your alert saved me. Wow, that's, that's man. Let me, man, man, let me give you a little backstory on Scott. I've known Scott, my best friend in the world, Eric Kaluki, who I grew up with. Um, Scott, I, I met 25, 30 years ago when him and Eric had played pro hockey in Europe and this. Well, I, w- mm-hmm. I was in rehab when I was 21 when they were in Zelomze, Austria, playing pro hockey. And anyhow, we became friends. 
party together, ripped it up while Scott had been working for Eric's company. And after 45 years, Eric's dad immigrated from Germany and built this company. The bank came in and, and shut him down and they had to lay off yeah. all their employees. It's heart wrenching. And, and Scott was working for him up in Minnesota, North Dakota as a sales rep. And, and Scott, for you to call me and say, you know, you're over three years sober, but due to that, the, the trauma of, you know, losing the job, but seeing your best friend struggle. I mean, they, they had everything. His uh, brother started this company in their garage, and, and you were thinking of having a drink. You know, it's it's absolutely crazy. And, and here from catching this, you know, uh, you get to chat with my brother, Matt Gannam, and, and uh, you know, you're you're sober right now. I suggest you get your ass to a meeting today. What do you say, man? Mm-hmm. I think you need to. Yeah, no, I, do, you I, know, I, stay I, with I, the people that care about you and that, that are going to pick you up, whether it's going to a meeting or staying connected to the phone. Like, you need to, <laughs> to have support when you're going through those hard times. Yeah, it's funny. Just before your show started, I texted him and said, tough week. Thank God for friends. And he wrote back, amen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and yeah. that's, it was a tough week for me, too, because uh, on the 10th, um was a year anniversary that my son's best friend Adam passed away and Adam was working for me and my office looks right out at the house where I ran across the street and found uh one of my best friends and my my second son dead from a heroin overdose and the 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 last thing I picture is them bringing him out on the the stretcher and the paramedics were kind enough to keep working on him because his fiance was there in, in complete hysterics. And I'll never, ever forget the screaming of Liss, you know. And makes me be grateful for what we have today. But on the flip side, my recovery is number one. Matt, you use your poetry for your recovery. Scott, you picked up the phone and reached out to just say, hey, man, thanks. You know, and sometimes it's that's, that's all you need to keep grounded here, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and just to tell Matt there, Tim, when Tim was in jail, he was uh, a guy who wrote me like a three-page letter um, uh, about recovery, and that was about, what, three years ago, Tim? Yeah, And it was, I mean, that's amazing that a guy would take the time to do that, uh, help somebody else, and it's just awesome, and uh, just to see the work you do, Tim, and, and, and being with you, you know, a few times over the past couple of years is just, it's, it's incredible. And yeah, well, well, you, you're doing, you owe, you, owe, you owe me a box of fucking honey buns. scott scott give me a ring later i gotta wrap up with matt here i love you i'm glad you you called in all right scott be good matt gannam the poet matt gannam the poet poet. what are you doing just sitting here man at the office so tell me tell me what you got going on out there now so explain boston uh, Mass, uh, explain Banyan, Massachusetts. What kind of operation you're running out there? An incredible one. Um, you know, we we try to do what's, you know, obviously what's in the best interest of the client. It's a uh, 12-step base. Uh, we do a bunch of different art therapies. Um, we've introduced rebel recovery, uh, smart recovery to some of the clients that go that way. Um, we're really just trying to meet everybody where they're at and just give them, 
give them that little bit of hope, man, uh, that they can overcome uh, the struggles that they face and try to build that foundation for them um, with love and support. Um, I hand-selected the staff. I know everybody personally. Um, you know, big shout-out to my clinical director, Joseph Papo, who's, you know, absolutely Papa. Been, been, been huge on this on this path to, to opening this program and what he does on a daily basis. And, like, from top to bottom, our staff, like, you know, they've been there. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of yep. treatment centers, the staff is of the younger age. I mean, most of it, most of it is, you know, 28 to 36. People that have been in and out of programs, in and out of jail, have some real life experience that we can benefit some of the clients that we have that are trying to get through some of their struggles because we've been through those struggles. Right. Now, now for, I mean, for people that know, don't I, understand, I, Matt, Boston, Massachusetts, anyone can get into detox in Boston, but it's usually three, four days and you're out on the street, right? Yeah. There's not many programs like yours running a 45-day PHP program with housing? No, there isn't. How many clients yeah, there you, are you up to right now? Once you go through, what did you say? How many clients you, do you keep on average? 31 right now. 31, and you have male and female. We have male and female housing, and then we'll open up another male house. They'll so add another yeah. 15 beds. So, so what people understand, you know, Matt and I and Brandon, we could work for any damn near any treatment center in the mm -hmm. country. We work for Banyan because we believe in it. We believe in Joe Tuttle's mission, but yep. we're able to kind of cater the programs. The the Chicago market is different than the Boston, Massachusetts. Those Boston, yeah. I can remember when we were both sending a lot of people to Florida. And my people would stay down for PHP and IOP, and yours are like, I'm doing PHP, and I'm getting right back yeah, to Boston. Right I got to get out there and park the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty That's much. How, it's we, it's they, a whole different breed of people. Out here. Uh, the people from Mass, we got a, a little bit of edge to us, a little, uh, you know, a little more rough around the edges. And, um, you know, having... Having a program in Massachusetts that caters to some of the toughest cases and seeing the transition from, like, when they first come in the door to where they're at when they're leaving or staying connected to the program. We just launched our, our alumni program. Big, You know, a shout-out to our alumni director, Allison Goodless, who's hosting our first alumni meeting tomorrow night, and we're doing uh, an ice skating event uh, for our alumni program. Um, you know, I mean, we just we're, – we're trying to – we're trying to make recovery attractive. That's the biggest thing. We want people well, to get that. Yep, it, it is. And, and and that's all deal, Matt. You don't have to be 44 years old like me going to a prison cell to get sober. You can get sober at 21. You can get sober at 18, 30, 40, 50, whatever. Recovery does not suck. And the cool thing is, I mean, how old are you now, Matt? 31? 31 years old. You're 31, Novak just turned 37, I'm 48, and you two are two of my best friends in the world. So yeah, it shows absolutely. you, too, that age doesn't matter. That's all bullshit. Nope. Throw that out the window. If people want to reach you, Matt, how do they get a hold of you out in Boston? Uh, you can call our office at 978-737-7272. Gotta love it. You or can you also call my number one eight five five nine zero three one seven seven zero. Why don't you repeat that one more time? Uh, one eight five five nine zero three one seven seven zero is the number and, to reach me as well. 
Or you can reach, you can call Banyan. Check out BanyanTreatmentCenter.com, B-A-N-Y-A-N. It'll link to our Boston facility, our Naperville slash Chicago facility, or you can just call 844-4-BANYAN. We do take, we're out of network, so we take PPO insurance or cash pay, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we won't help you. That's where a Mana Recovery Foundation comes in. If you need help, reach out. Uh, www.amirf.org. You can check us out. I mean, this morning, our foundation's paying for three people to get into the moving all into sober homes today. We're paying for their first 30 days. Last week, we uh, sent a couple people out to the Owl's Nest in Salvation Oaks in South Carolina. And when we got money in, I'm sitting here, I got uh, checks over the weekend. We got another, I don't know, 23, 2400 in. Part of that, unfortunately, is the uh, memorial funds for a uh, a gentleman, Blake Barth, that succumbed to an overdose a week and a half ago, and his family had all the memorial funds donated, and and in Blake's memory, we're going to be able to get some more people on the road to recovery, you know? That's huge. It is huge, but you know, Matt, I got to be honest with you, our... Our jobs aren't easy. I mean, I Blake's yeah. was my, my 102nd funeral in a little over two years. People think mm-hmm. they want to get into this, and it, it, it's burnout. It's difficult. For me, you got to have balance. Um, my balance could be skydiving. It could be going down to Florida and, and going barefoot water skiing. Yours is your poetry or, or spending quality time with our kids. You know, between me yeah. and you, we got we got an army. No, Absolutely. You know, I mean, what I else? Poetry, my kids, sports. I'm still in a basketball league. I play flag, I play flag football throughout the year. I go on and have fun. I mean, I didn't get clean to stay miserable. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Life and, I hear I mean, one of the I things hear. I've been blessed with is I, I'm traveling a little more now. And I'll tell you, when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. I never really got out of the, the little confined community I grew up in. Yeah, well, it's good to get out and see the world. You know, when I was in the, I marketed cable television door to door, but I got paid to see the country and I loved it. But, you know, I'd be in a town three months and burn that town up and needed to get the hell out of there. And, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it was a neat experience. And you were just down in Mexico with what, your dad and your son? Yeah, my family. I mean, go figure Ten years ago, the guy wouldn't pick up the phone for me because I wasn't doing the right thing. And then we were in we were in Mexico together, enjoying paradise, and you know having just like a vacation that was much needed. And I got to bring my son, and I, I was present for my son. And I got to tell you, I was in. I've been having some. My son's mother's having some struggles lately, and and because I'm I'm clean and I'm present. Uh, Thursday, I was granted full custody. Permanent oh, custody for my son, and you're talking wow. about a convicted, uh, a convicted felon, former criminal, heroin addict, and because of of the footwork I put in and rebuilding my life and where I'm at today, I was able to be present and I'm able to be there for my son. While well, you know, hopefully his mom, you know, can can figure some things out and get the help that she needs. So, wow! I mean, that's, con- that's one of congr- the most beautiful congr- things. Congratulations, man! I can remember when we were talking about your son, and and all this was unfolding, and mm-hmm. you didn't know what you were gonna do, and oh, not the the state of Massachusetts will never give me full custody, and I said bullshit. Yeah. You're doing the right things; it will happen, and. 
man, I uh, for for your son, that's an honor, and it's an honor to be able to come home. When you called me yesterday morning, you were making uh, breakfast for both your kids. But yeah. we're coming to the close here. Um, truly honored to have our guest, Matt Gannum, the poet. Matt, what's the name of your book, real quick? Uh, the book is called The Shadow of an Attic. Um, you know, you can get it on. It's an ebook. You can download it there. Uh, you can hit me up on my Facebook page, Mac Gannon the Poet, to order copies. Um, you can look up Danny Mass, DanielMass.com. Um, you know, anybody that, that needs help are out there. And before I go, I just want to, you know, give a quick shout-out to, to Joe Papa, our clinical director, Dr. Laura Hitchmark, Jenna Bedreau, Eddie Camo, Richie Evans, Danny Mac, Garrett, Chris Olandino, Katie, Nicole. And the whole fucking crew out everybody. there. We got to wrap it up. It's Tim Ryan with the Man <laughs> of Recovery Radio. Well, Mac Adam, thank you. you. We love you. We'll be on next week. Have a great All day. Right. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Man in Recovery Radio from Dope to Hope. Please join Tim Ryan again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of our program. And remember, there is always a future, always hope.